0: It's a new month. We're more than halfway through the year. Amen. And um, this is always an exciting time. We've got a lot of things going on in the month of August as people are coming back from vacations. I trust that you have had a a restful, relaxing, purposeful summer. And um, it's good to be seeing our families back. School starting tomorrow. That's about the... Response I expected. (laughs) Amen. I do want to say this at the end of our service. We want to pray over all of our students and faculty that will be returning back to school. I know. uh, I think a couple schools have already gone back, and most of our county and city schools are starting tomorrow. Um, I know the parents are rejoicing about that. Uh, Amen. But um, uh, we want to pray blessing over all of our students, including our college students, and. Uh, Our teachers as well, Uh, we'll be doing that at the end of service. I believe we're bringing in our young kiddos as well uh, to pray over them. Um, We pray blessings over them. Amen. Because parents, you need to know this. They're not just going to school. You're sending them to school. A couple of you got that. It's all right. They're not just going to school. You are sending them to school. You are sending them into an environment where they can do damage for the kingdom of God. If you choose to see it that way, or you can see the burdens and the struggles and the, the teachers that you don't get along with and the grades, whether they're passing or failing and, and, you know, are they really learning anything and, uh, the, the poor relationships they're making. But I'll tell you what, when you go into anything with purpose, you'll receive from it. Amen. And parents, you need to be going in recognizing that you have a purpose. Just as much as your students and just as much as your children. And so, um, you know, you go to your environment and you need, to, you need to train up your children, help help them understand that they're going into an environment to be a blessing, not a curse. They're going into an environment to empower and encourage people around them, not bring them down. You need to go into uh, help them go into this environment, recognizing that they can make a difference even in their grade, in their age, at their level. Amen. Because that's something that will go on with them. Then they'll go to college with that understanding. They'll get into the workplace with that understanding. They'll go into their marriages with that understanding that I have an identity. I have a purpose. It's not defined by my grades, by my status, by my friends, by uh, what sport I play, by by how well I do it. it, I have an identity given given to me by the king, and it is my purpose to figure that out, to discover that. Right? Purpose is discovered, not decided. Did you hear me? Purpose is discovered, not decided. You don't decide what your purpose is. You discover what your purpose is because he's already determined it. So we don't get to determine that. But, man, we get to walk it out. We get to live it out. Amen. And I want to see a church and a people, a kingdom people that live with purpose, understand their identity in the kingdom of God. We're starting a new series this month. I love to take the month of August I've kind of done this, I think, for the last uh, at least four years, if, if not five or six now, um, taking the month of August just to speak on the subject of vision. But within that, tie that into the vision of our church and the purpose of our church. I think that vision uh, has to be reexamined. examined. Amen. Uh, we discover the vision of God and we discover the purpose of God, but but vision uh, is only as effective in your life as much as you keep it in front of you. And so here we are more than halfway through the year, and it's just a good opportunity, a little checkup, if you will, uh, to to see, you know, are we on path and have we kept the vision before us? And are we moving forward in what God has called us to do, not only as a church, but in your own lives as well? You know, we start out the year in January and we kind of get that vision. We lay that vision out right back chapter two, verse two tells us that we are to write down the vision, make it plain. Why? So that we can run with it. You can't run with what's not written. You can't run with what's not written. Write down the vision, he says. Make it plain, not complicated, not confusing. God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is the author of confusion. So we need to have a direct, uh, uh, clear vision about where God wants to take us. And we talk about vision a lot here. I feel like uh, vision and, and purpose are really interwoven into a lot of what we talk about, no matter what subject we're in. But remember that vision is the opposite of sight. Vision is the opposite of sight. I know that we like to think uh, that they are the same. And let me also say this, that if we have uh, any new families here as well, uh, uh, this is not just for our church. This is for you as well. I mean, what a better time to come and discover what Anchor Faith Church is all about than in a month where we're re-examining uh, our own vision and taking a deeper look at what God has called us to do. I mean, this is an opportunity for you to get to learn about who we are, what God has called us to do, and possibly how you get to be a part. And um, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine that lives here, and um, uh, can you believe that? I'm friends with other pastors in my own community. Isn't that awesome? In a world that's driven by strife and division, amen, I'm unified. And uh, I was talking with another pastor friend of mine, and he had some family that was in St. Augustine, Florida. And they went and visited our location in St. Augustine. How many of you have been to our St. Augustine location? Oh, yeah, look at all those hands. It's awesome. What an awesome opportunity. If, you, if you're in St. Augustine, which I know a lot of people like to travel down there and hang out, uh, make sure you stop in. Uh, at the Ponce de Leon Mall there, right on US1 in the middle of town. Go check it out. That is the birthplace of Anchor Faith Church and uh, where our mission and vision stems from. And uh, he had these family members, and uh, Pastor Earl, that particular Sunday morning, was speaking on their vision for the church and uh, talking about the mall and you know the mall that they're getting ready to, to take hold of and take claim of. And uh, I was talking to someone else about that, just another rabbit trail. I'm going to take a rabbit trail off a rabbit trail. And uh, uh, the individual said, y'all ain't got that mall yet. I think it's been, what, three years? Because in our microwave society, we think everything just happens overnight. I, I-, I began to feel like maybe what, what Moses, or uh, uh, not Moses, Abraham felt like. You ain't got a kid yet? Ten years later. and you've been believing for that kid a long time. God ain't shown up yet? Twenty years later. You still ain't got dude, you're not getting any younger. It's not the scenario's not getting any better. Noah, you ain't built that boat yet. Ninety-five years later, because it took him a hundred. See, you know, so so it, it's okay. The mall's ours. In a heavenly realm, we're just trying to get it into the earthly realm, amen. Because if it belongs to the Lord, no man can possess it other than who he determines has need of it. Amen. And uh so this individual had family that was down there and, and Pastor Earl was communicating the vision of the church there and talking about the mall and things like that. And they said, well, you know, it was kind of weird. It didn't really feel like it was for us. It felt like it was for their church. And I just said, well, that's a great opportunity. I mean, you could go to church somewhere and they don't have any vision. They're not trying to possess anything. They're just trying to get raptured up and get out. <laughs> One day when Jesus returns, we're not talking about that. I'm thankful that Jesus is coming and I'm not going to try to figure out what day. It's not, uh, you know, September, uh, you know, it's not eight, eight you know, on the, all the eights or, you know, all the different silly stuff. 80 reasons why he's coming back in 1980. You know, all this all this silliness that comes up it says that no man will know the date or time. So apparently that's not for me to be fixated or focused on. I need to have my focus somewhere else. I need to have my focus not on getting to heaven, but on bringing heaven. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus was interested in. That's what Jesus was interested in. And he said, you know what? The plan of God will take place. But what are you doing about it? What are you doing with it? So while we're here on this planet, we need to be living with vision. How do I know this? Because God lived with vision. Because before there was a world, he saw a world. You realize that you have to see it before you see it. That's what vision means. Vision means I see it with my mind before I see it with my eyes. Vision is the opposite of sight because sight sees with the eyes. Vision sees with the mind. And I say it's the opposite because sight only sees what it is. But vision sees What it will be. I said what it will be. Not what it can be. What it will be. And so God wants us constantly living. With a vision of what we do not yet have. This is where God wants us to be. That's how God operates, and we are uh, uh, made in the image and the likeness. That means we are to function just as God functions. He operates not in what is, but he operates in what is yet to be, and that is where we need to be. In your lives, in your families, in your finances, in your marriages, in your homes, in your work, in your business, you need to be living not where you are, but where God wants you to be. God has a vision for every single person in this room. God has a vision. Now, vision is not the purpose. The purpose is the motivation. The purpose is the reason. That's what purpose is. But vision is the image of what it can be. And, and the thing that I have found, and if you go through the word of God, God is constantly, constantly revealing vision to people that have no business doing that particular vision. It's almost like you could read the Bible and every single time Noah, wrong one. Moses, God, what are you doing? He's a murderer. Abraham, he can't have any kids. It's like somebody needs to sit down with God and have a meeting and say, let's let's talk about your candidates for the vision that you're wanting to accomplish. David, a shepherd boy. Jesus, a baby born in a stable, not even born in a palace or even in a hospital at that. Paul, another murderer. Peter, temper tantrums and anger and major issues. Not a team player. Yet this is the guy that's standing up on the day of Pentecost saying, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel that I would pour my spirit out on all flesh. Timothy, God does not base your vision on your accomplishments. God does not base your vision on your accomplishments. So for everybody in the room that has felt like, The thing that I believe God wants me to do is bigger than me and beyond me. He designed it that way on purpose. So for anybody that feels like I can't do that, that's who I'm talking to today. And I'll be honest with you. If anybody in this room has a vision that seems doable, it's not big enough. It's probably not God. We want to talk about vision. Vision sees what is not yet. Genesis chapter 37. I want to start by speaking about an individual, another prime candidate for God, but the wrong candidate for man. In Genesis chapter 37, we begin to learn about a young man, 17 years old, named Joseph. And God follows the same template, follows the same pattern. He shows a man a vision before he's ready. Without the proper resource and without the ability to be in this particular position. And in Genesis chapter 37, verse one, it says, now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger So, I mean, he doesn't even he can't even rely on his family for prominence. See, some of us can try to ride the coattails of a past generation, but but Joseph, he can't even he can't even get to this level that God wants him to be on anybody else's shoulders except for God's. His father is a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph, Joseph. Being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. Why? Because vision usually shows up in a a place of obscurity. Vision usually shows up. In fact, I will, I'll put it this way. Vision always shows up when you're doing the insignificant. Some of us think we're not in the right place for God to give us a vision or we haven't made a certain status, made a certain amount of money. We we haven't reached a certain level for God to begin to work or begin to perform his vision. But see, God will put a vision in your heart and place a vision on your life and give you a purpose that is greater than your current location. He's feeding his flocks with his brothers Vision doesn't come to people that are do-nothings. Vision doesn't come to people that are idle. Vision doesn't come to people that aren't involved in anything, putting their hand in anything. Lazy people will never experience vision, because until you handle what you have, you cannot be revealed what's next. Until you're faithful with little, you will not be made ruler over much. But those that are faithful with the little... Those that are handling what is in their hands today, those that are doing one hundred and ten percent with the one percent, those that are giving their all to, to the very little and nobody's noticing, nobody's seeing it. It's not of high prominence. It doesn't make a big deal. It doesn't even seem like it's making a big difference. God is watching that. God has his eyes upon you. God is watching everything you do when the pastor doesn't see it and when your when your spouse doesn't see it, and even when your kids don't see it. When your boss doesn't see it, God sees it. And God is saying, no one else may see it, but I see it. And because of how you've handled this, you've become a candidate for this. Just feeding the flock. Sounds a lot like David. Just feeding the flock makes me want to go out and be a shepherd. Apparently, if I start out as a shepherd, I'll become a king. (laughs) I am a shepherd, I guess, as the pastor. I'm shepherding the flock of God. Boom, made it work. Awesome. That was in my notes. I had that in there the whole time. Right. See, vision is driven by faith. See, God doesn't want to give you a vision where you can look around and see how it's going to come to pass. God wants to give you a vision so big that it's beyond not only your present capacity, but even what you believe is your eternal capacity. How in the world does a shepherd boy become a king? How in the world does someone that's just merely feeding flocks with his brothers, one of the youngest of the brothers, It's because God is not drawing or pulling on your ability. See, God's vision comes through and comes to pass in your life through his ability. You become the vessel. And by becoming the vessel, you become a participator. A participator just means you have a level of involvement, but it's not up to you. Right? It's not up to you. It's a level of involvement. It's a it's a piece of the pie. You are you are you know a section of it, but it's not up to you. And so many times we feel like God's vision is up to us. God's vision of doing this or doing that it, it, it it's got to be you know something inside me. Okay, God wants me to write a book, but I've I've never authored a book. I don't even know how to articulate clearly. I don't even know how to. That's who God's looking for. Because you're the participator. You're the writer. But but technically, he's the author. Amen. The vision is God's vision for you. So therefore, it's not up to us to make it come to pass. Verse three. I know we're still there in verse two. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So, you know, here we've got a little tattletale on our hands. And uh, because of that. And combined with verse three, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. You know, you thought you had family problems. (laughs) This is a family issue. We have a dad that has literally picked a favorite, right? Right. We have, a, we have a father that's literally determined, predetermined. And look, when you love someone more than someone else, it's identifiable. So his other wives know that he loves Rachel, and men don't get any ideas. This is Old Testament. <laughs> We're not going to have that conversation. Don't come to me having that meeting. But he's got other wives. Rachel was his favorite. Rachel was unable to have children. She finally had uh, uh, Joseph and uh, later on Benjamin. But because he had a favorite wife, therefore he has a favorite son, Joseph being the oldest from Rachel. Because he was the son of his old age, also he made him a tunic of many colors. So now he's giving him gifts that no one else is getting. This is favoritism. What's the word for that? Nepotism or something like that. I think. He made him a tunic of many colors, verse four. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So Joseph is not in the best of situations here. He's already been made the favorite and therefore uh, he feels the responsibility of. Re, uh, of of revealing to his father everything that his brothers are doing wrong, right? All the stuff he's, they're doing wrong, not the stuff that they're doing right. It's my job to tell Dad when you're blowing it. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. <laughs> Bad idea probably shouldn't have done that. You know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting when God gives us a vision, those that side with us and those that oppose us. But anyone in the Bible that has been given a vision by God had opposition. Your vision will never come free and clear of opposition. The acceptance of the vision is the acceptance of the challenge. The acceptance of the vision is the receiving of the opposition as well. It's designed that way. There's no other way around it. There's no way to get vision without opposition. There will be opposition. Uh, we call them today haters. Everyone's got haters. And we've actually really lost uh, what a hater really is. Uh, because now I see people. That will communicate or speak a vision and then people that come alongside them to assist them. And to maybe even correct something so that they can see the vision come to pass, they've been deemed haters as well. We've got to learn to learn the difference between assistance and opposition in today's generation. And in today's world, because there will be people that will come alongside you and they're not doubting you and they're not hating you and they're not trying to keep you somewhere. They're trying to help you get somewhere because assistance will always speak to your potential. Assistance will always speak to your potential. You God will surround you with people that will help shape you and mold you. So that you can receive. See, the opposition and the challenge is to help determine and to help grow you so you can accept the vision. And so you can fulfill the vision and walk in the vision. So there will there will never be vision without opposition. There will never be a vision in your life that will not bring or welcome challenges along with it. And these challenges need to be welcomed. These challenges need to be confronted. These challenges need to be embraced. The struggles that come with the vision are to help bring about the vision in your life. I remember I was uh, uh, at, a, at a conference at a very large church here in America, one of the fastest growing churches in America. I know I've told this story before, but it just helps bring it together. And um you know, this church runs probably twenty, twenty five thousand 25,000 people. And I was in a uh, pastor's session with the senior pastor of this church. And uh, there's maybe 150, 200 pastors in this room. And uh, at that time, they were celebrating a 10-year, getting ready to celebrate a 10-year anniversary for their church. And so I had a question for him. It was a pastor's question and answer, pastor's Q&A. And so I asked him, I said, In your 10 years of ministry, if you had the chance to go back and change anything, would you and what would you change? Because everybody's got regrets, right? Everybody's got things that we wish didn't happen or wish didn't take place. We all have things. And, and here I am, uh, probably four or five years into pastoring this church. And I'm thinking, man, if I can sidestep any of the stuff that he went through, maybe I can, uh, uh, you know, maybe help grow the church a little bit better or do a little bit better as a pastor. And, and so he looked at me and he said, he said, a pastor once told me, another very large uh, pastor in America, Pastoring a large church, he wasn't physically large. He was, you know, and um, this this other pastor told him. If I could change anything, it would change everything. If I could change anything. It would change everything. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Sure, it'd be nice to sidestep some opposition and to, to know in advance of a struggle or a challenge that is coming. But when you learn to recognize that the challenges and the struggles are just as to, just as much a part of the process as the victories and the wins, then you learn to embrace all of it. And you recognize this. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Ordered. That means he puts them in order. You hear me? You don't choose the step. You just take the step. And I see a lot of people get off in vision because they feel like their vision isn't coming to pass. Because vision, when you're walking out vision, it will feel like you're going backwards when you should be going forwards. It's called growing. It's called pruning. Vision doesn't fail to come and pass in our lives because God did something. Vision doesn't show up in our lives because we did something. The steps of the righteous man are ordered. He puts them. So what I might perceive as a step down, God sees as, no, no, no. I'm just getting you into position. Because if we know the life of Joseph. And I don't have time to go through all the next five chapters. But if you recognize the life of Joseph, he goes backwards, not forwards. Naturally speaking. And this is many times how vision is lived out. It started with opposition in his own house. It started with him opening his mouth to individuals that weren't going to receive from him. Not once, but twice. He didn't even learn from the first time. Maybe I shouldn't tell them any more dreams because that didn't seem to go over very well. They look pretty angry. Oh, hey, guys. I had a dream. I had a dream and the sun and the moon and the stars. And there happened to be of 11 of them. 11 of you. I wonder what this. I wonder what that means. And they all bowed down to me. And it says down in verse Verse eight, and his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So did they so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Don't be see you. Number one, you can't bring your vision down to the level of your doubters. Sure, we want everybody to be excited about what God has revealed to us. But don't be surprised when they're not. Don't be surprised if people hate you for it. And don't be surprised if people knock you for it. But never, never bring your vision down to the level of your doubters. The same pastor that I had that Q&A session with. I heard him preaching one time and he said, that when he first started the church, he sat down with this pastor in his town. He came from a very small town, very small town. I think he said like less than 5000 people in his town, just a very small town. And he sat down with his pastor and was given the vision that God had given to him about the church. And, you know, we're going to do this and it's going to be a church that's multi, multi-ethnic and multi-racial and, 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 and multi-generational. And, 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 man, we're going to have all kinds of denominations in there. And, and you know, and, and the guy told him this old, you know, southern preacher said, not here. You're not going to have that kind of church here, not in the south. Not in a, imagine, imagine if he stopped right there. Imagine if we stopped with the doubters and the haters. Imagine if we brought the level of, of, of our vision down to the level of other people's doubts. But Joseph couldn't do that. Joseph couldn't do that. Now, here's the thing. Joseph really has no idea what this is all about. Obviously, the first inclination, the first motivation that he has is I'm going to be in charge. I don't know fully of what I'm going to be in charge of, but I know this. I'm going to be in charge of my brothers and my mom and dad. Which is any. Child's desire when you are the 12th one born. (laughs) <laughs> right he, he doesn't even understand the complexity of how this is going to play out and so he communicates this vision we need to recognize that God will bring people to you that will assist you but there will also be people that will oppose you now here's the thing knowing the end of the story. Joseph gets thrown in a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery by his brothers. From there, he operates uh, in charge of this commander's house, in charge of everything. So he's a slave, but he's in charge. But then he gets lied about. The individual's wife says uh, that She was raped by him. False accusation. Falsely accused. Ends up in prison. Ends up in charge of the prison. But still in prison. I wonder how we would do in the pit. I wonder how we would do in the prison. So he's in the prison. And then there's a couple guys in there that were put in the prison as well. And they each have dreams. And Joseph has this ability from God, this gift from God. Because many times it's the gift that you started with that will get you through. You can't give up on the gift. How easy it would have been for Joseph to say, man, I'm not good at interpreting dreams. You got the wrong guy. The last dream I interpreted and look at where I'm at today. How many times have we given up on a gift because the gift didn't get us where we thought it would take us? So he interprets these dreams. One of them gets out, one of them gets killed. He tells the guy that gets out, hey, go to the king, tell him, tell Pharaoh that I've been placed here, falsely accused, so I can get out. Two years goes by, the guy forgets. All this time, Joseph is taking steps backwards, what seems like. Now, he ends up before Pharaoh, interprets yet another dream. Pharaoh places him second in command of the whole land. The only one that was over Joseph was Pharaoh himself. This isn't a a fairy tale. This isn't a fake story. This is in the Bible. This is in your Bible. True story. Now, I would ask you today. Did his brothers assist him or oppose him? Did the commander that took his wife's story over Joseph's assist him or oppose him? Peter stood before Jesus and said, Jesus, may this never be. You will not go to the cross. We can't lose you. I'm your best friend. We've traveled for three years with you. Judas sells him over for 30 pieces of silver, betrays him to his enemy. I ask you, who was the friend, Judas or Peter? Who assisted and who opposed? See, when you get vision for your life and you recognize how God is orchestrating and ordering your steps, you get better clarity and a better perspective because vision demands perspective. Of who's moving you forward and who's keeping you stuck. It could be that your friends are keeping you stuck and those that oppose you or you think are in opposition are the ones really promoting you. This is how vision works in our lives. Because here's the thing. These brothers said in verse eight, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? But you know what? Later on, a few more chapters later. Oh, you got to get this. It was the fact that he was in charge that delivered them. It was the thing that they thought they didn't want. That became the very thing that they needed. See, there are people today that don't want to see you accomplish the vision of God. But they're going to come to need that vision to come to pass in your life because it will affect them. Because this is the thing. Vision is always bigger than you. If your vision is just about you, if it's just about me getting to the throne and you guys bowing down. But see, it wasn't. See, it's all about perspective. Their perspective is you're going to rule over us. You're going to be in charge of us. You're going to tell us what to do. But guess who you want to be in charge when everything falls apart. You may not want them in charge whenever, when you got it all together and it's all good. But you're going to want him to be in charge hearing the plan from God when it's all falling apart and it's all going haywire and it's all going wrong in your life. Now, guess who they're calling on? They're bowing down before him, not out of what you're making us do something. They're bowing down out of you are here to meet a need that we have. Now, here's the question I have for you. Would you be okay if your vision blesses those who opposed you in the beginning? Could you Could you keep your heart right so that when the vision comes to pass and all those people that doubted you and all those people that hated you and all those people that opposed you and all those people that told you you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, you don't have enough, there's no way that you're going to see it. And many times, let me tell you something, those that oppose the vision are the ones closest to you because the ones that know the most about you I can tell you right now, opposition came to even move to Vought Austin to pass of this church for my wife and I. And it wasn't from outsiders. They welcomed us with open arms because they didn't know us. But it was people that were the closest to you. Are you sure you heard from God? Are you sure you're called to be a pastor? How are you going to live? Like I'm going to a concentration camper. I'm going to Valdosta, Georgia. They have jobs. They're not shipping me off. It's amazing. And the people in our own houses. The people that are the closest to you. I'll take it a step further. There are people that know your past. There are people that know your history. And God will call you to something where you were once a murderer and now you're going to be the catalyst for the Christian church. And your past is bigger than your future to them. But to God, your past is never bigger than your future. Your past is never bigger than your future. Can you hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. Because Jesus easily could have said, you know what? I'm dying for everybody except for the ones that put me up here. But he said, you know what? You're driving that nail in my hand. Still dying for you. (laughs) That's okay if you don't like my vision. You'll like it when you receive the blessing from it. That's okay you can doubt me today. Because the vision is not about me. The visions about you. I don't I don't I don't believe Joseph had that picture, had that image. Being the favorite and being the tattletale and and, and and being able and being so quick to communicate not just once but two times to his brothers who he knew hated him and knew that weren't they weren't going to receive what he had to say. You can reduce that Joseph didn't have full clarity of the complexity of the vision that God gave him and who it would impact. God's not placing you in charge for you. He's placing you in charge for others. He ends up saving an entire nation. It's all a part of God's plan. Worship team, if you would come. It's all a part of God's plan. So I'm asking you today. The vision that God has given you. Who's in the way? And who's moving you forward? Who's holding you back? And who's setting you up? You might be surprised at who it is. You might be surprised at who God can use to advance your vision forward. You might be surprised at how God can make it come to pass. When you feel like the steps are going backwards, God is saying, no, 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 I'm setting you up. Because if he hadn't been sold sold into slavery, if he hadn't been falsely accused and thrown in prison, then he would not have been in position for the promotion.